Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at an OT win for the Jets over the Preds, plus the setback against Vegas. And Batman sucks. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, that is a finger-licking good way to head off into the weekend. In style, the Winnipeg Jets take down the division rival Nashville Predators, and everybody's feeling good. The vibes are back in Winnipeg. And we're not talking three-game losing streak. Instead, we're talking the Jets right back near the top of the Central Division. And we'll break it all down. Let's get right into it here. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Joining us once again, what's going on, Tice? Well, not too much. Another big, big W and another big night for my fantasy team, thanks to KFC. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it's the only negative about that goal is I think I've come to the official realization that my my handle for for Kyle Connor, the Colonel, is is just not sticking. It, it's it's KFC. It's, it's good, but I still think the Colonel's better. But I'll, I'll I'll officially give up on that. I'll keep going on. Whoop! There it is, as being the greatest goal song of all time. But I will I will finally concede that the Colonel is it's just just on the cards. It's just on the cards right now. Yeah. All I mean, you can't forget about Monable number five uh, as the number one goal song. I think that's untouchable but uh unfortunate that we might not be hearing it for a little bit coming up yeah we might have to get into that Uh, that is pretty unfortunate i was able to hear mr brightside live on tuesday night which we'll get to in just a sec there and of course the crowd was absolutely buzzing the loudest they were all night was for mr brightside um but we'll talk vegas in a little bit let's uh keep it going here with the game that is the most recent one the one everybody wants to talk about the win against the nashville predators and I guess a return to form for the Jets. Um, I mean, a bad second period sunk them against Washington. We'll get into what happened against Vegas in a little bit, like I mentioned there. But it wasn't the best hockey before that leading into this one for the Jets. And I guess what was the most optimistic thing for me, Tice, is that even if that shot doesn't squeak through and maybe stops on the goal line, and Nashville goes ahead to win 2-1 OT or shootout, whatever it is, I think it would be nothing but positivity still. 
Like the, the result was almost secondary in this one. Great. They got the two points, but like, man, oh man, the jets were dominant from start to finish. And they basically, you know, despite winning got sorrows. Like that's the only reason the game yeah. was why it was is UC sorrows was 2021 UC sorrows. Instead of this season's version, he was outstanding, but the jets just, I mean, let's, let's call it what it was. They kicked the crap out of Nashville. It, it was a great, I, I wasn't worried or concerned or anything, but it is nice to see that borne out in the play there that the jets, this is a different one. Like this isn't, this isn't your granddaddy's jets. They're, they're a, a different beast. They're not going to wilt like they have in the past. Going to be physical against a team that likes to throw the body around. And all in all, I, I don't think there's going to be really too many, if any, complaints out of Jets fans from the 2-1 victory against Nashville. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly with the not wilting part of, part of your response there. And I could, Because really, Nashville, I mean, they're lower in the standings. They haven't lived up to some of the pre- preseason expectations. I mean, I think you and you and I both picked them to make the playoffs this year. And, Woof. And yeah, right now, that's not looking too good. But And, and it's crazy. Like the, the Predators have one of the worst goal differentials in the league right now, too. And you know, so it's a team that the Jets should be beating. But whenever it's a rivalry game, you know, like the intensity is going to be ramped up to 11. And we saw like the Predators, although they might not have the same skill that the Jets do, they were right in it. Like they were in the battle with the Jets and, you know, Jets kind of just outskilled them that game and really took it to them. But hey, Nashville's going to cut, going to keep on banging on the door every single time they, they come into your zone. We saw it with a couple hard four checks, especially on Nate Schmitz, like we kind of touched on a bit earlier and it's, I mean, I, like we we were kind of chatting about it a bit earlier, and I I, I think it's a pretty clean hit. It's yeah, not... that that was going to be one of the 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 it's it is one of the talking points from the game. Yeah, so and I... on, on the play there, Schmidt gets knocked out of the game. I, I don't I don't know if it was if the discourse was leaning one way or the other, but you're saying at least not a dirty hit. Yeah, I I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think it was just a really hard hard hit, and he caught him in a really bad spot as he was kind of leaning forward to make a play on the puck and he just hit him right on his shoulder and you can see the the, the left shoulder kind of just fly back into his body and just the way he's hunched over on the ice the way he skated off I mean it, you don't want to speculate but it doesn't it really doesn't look good for anyone that's had a shoulder injury before in their life and in, in, in a hockey game too like that's a lot of the telltale signs were there for Nate Schmidt so hopefully it's it's more of a stinger than an actual than an actual injury so but yeah I mean and the Jets Back to back to the game itself. The Jets did just kind of outskill the Predators, and even like just seeing Kyle Connor put up ten shots. I mean, he really he really took over this game. I thought, and I thought that he was the guy that kind of responded to being like, "We're we're not going to lose this game." As soon as it got it got into the last five minutes of the third, and then into overtime as well, he he really took charge. And it's nice it's nice to see guys that it's not just one guy stepping up every time. There needs to be a big play. There's multiple guys from the Jets that are that are consistently stepping up in these big moments where they need to win games. And that's exactly what one of their star players did today. So I'm just checking out on Twitter here because I'm, I'm with you. I thought for sure, I, you know, seeing the replays and everything like that, that it was a shoulder injury. Uh, it, it just looked the way his, his arm was kind of hitting out before the hit got popped pretty good. And then it just seemed to me like he was, he was leaning towards protecting that wing um, but Rick Bonus did say that Schmidt went into concussion protocol after the hit from Jeannot. Um, doesn't have an update on the severity of the injury just yet. So, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that it, it's not a shoulder, like right? Like it, he went into concussion protocol one way or the other. So I guess 
I guess we'll see what happens there. Having said that, though, um, a brutal hit in terms of just like the physicality. Like Genoza is a mean dude. Like you hate him when he's not on your team, but if he's on your team, you could use a guy like that. Um, I, I look. I thought on the hit, it, it didn't seem to me like he targeted the head. There, there was definitely head contact, but Schmidt was also kind of bending over. I mean, there, there was no way Jano like jumped up or kind of rose up into the hit. He you know, just skated into him. If anything, it might have been interference. I'd, I wouldn't mind getting another look at it, you know, the live version, the live speed, because in the slow-mo, it looks like it's a couple seconds late, and then Schmidt's almost not expecting to be hit because he got rid of the puck so, so long ago. Um, so, I mean, for me, on initial glance, I thought interference penalty. Um, I didn't think it was a hit to the head, something that necessitated further discipline. But if he gets a concussion, I might have to rethink that one. But uh, I, at the very least, maybe the only positive out of that is, you know, the big boy on, on the Winnipeg Jets, the guy that always steps up in these situations, Adam Lowry says, yeah, that's that's not going to fly. Yeah, um, that's, that's what I, 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 I got a problem. I always I, I hate I hate at any level of hockey when a guy has to fight after a clean hit, like that just bothers me so much. This one, at least it's like kind of border, right? Like you can almost understand it, especially live. Like you see your guy get down injured. I, I think it's plays like that where you get a little more jacked up when a teammate goes after somebody and, 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 and defends uh, a guy that, you know, obviously couldn't make it through the rest of the game there. Um, but that again, kind of shows the the tight knitness, if that is a word, which it isn't, of the group this year, where you know maybe last year that doesn't get answered for. This year, it's literally the next face off that Adam Lowry goes toe to toe with a, you know, like I said, a pretty bad dude in, in Tanner Janot, and you know that that might have been the only positive out of that entire play is just that these guys got their backs out there, and um, you know Adam Lowry is he's he's a pretty he's a pretty tough and rumble guy himself, and he acquitted himself quite well against one of the tougher forwards in the league yeah and it's super it's super cliche to say but that's one of those unwritten hockey rules right there i mean you got a guy like nate schmidt he's one of the most popular guys in the locker room he's been one of their better defensemen this year probably i'd say at least top three uh, out of their d-men this year maybe really even top, good this year yeah maybe even top two and yeah like you just there's moments in in a season and there's moments in a game where something like that it, it's needed you do need that you need to keep that you need to keep that, like you said, tight knitness going because if that if you don't answer to that, then maybe in a couple games something else lesser happens, and when you would have responded before, now all of a sudden you're not responding, and then the wheels kind of start to fall off the tracks a bit. Guys kind of aren't on each other as much. I, I I like that it's it's guys that are engaged in the game, and it's a guy like Adam Lowry who's been handed an extra leadership role. It's him taking it upon himself to be like, hey, yeah, that might have been a clean hit. But you know what? We're not letting that happen in our barn. We're not letting that happen to one of our to one of our most popular members in the locker room. You know, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to answer to that. And it, and you could tell Janot knew it was coming too. He's like, yeah, you know, yeah. like good I, on him, right? Like, yeah. hey, I took a bit of a run at your guy. Like, I I I get it. <laughs> I think that was kind of it. Yeah, I I get it. I, yeah. I should probably drop him for that one. So good good all around, I guess, in the unwritten rules aspect of the game there. Um, but yeah, props to Adam Lowry for stepping up to the teammate there who took a big shot. And hopefully Nate Schmidt doesn't miss a whole lot of time, if any, as the, the club gets ready to head out on the road for two straight games. Um, one defenseman goes down. 
one defenseman steps up. I mean, you can only hold him down for so long. But the offensive dynamo is going to break out at some point or another. I know I'm not talking about Josh Morrissey on a breakaway in OT. I'm talking about Mr. Hands himself, Dylan DeMello, getting on the score <laughs> sheet. It's about time. It's about time he got on there. Uh, and, and now it's funny, too, because, you know, he gets the goal, his second as a Jet, his first in, like, what was it, like 400 days or so, just like an absurdly long time. For a guy that, like, is, you know, he's not like a big plug out there. He just doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, inkling to to get after it offensively. But you take away the goal, and I thought he had his best game of the season. Like, maybe it was like the, the, you get that uh, initial goal-scoring boost, right? After you pop one in, you, you feel good, and you go out there, and you play well. But he was really, really good in the game. And, I mean, you talked about, you know, Schmidt's solid play this year. It is between DeMello or Schmidt as to who's been this team's second-best defenseman this season, but it's always nice to see an unsung hero get on the board like that. But then I thought throughout the next 45 or so minutes, Dylan DeMello kind of showcased why he is so valuable to this team despite basically ending up the year with about eight or nine points. Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. And that's, that, this game is a prime example of why I'd be very hesitant to, cut, to give up DeMello in any trade where you're trying to improve your team. Because really, if you're moving DeMello, in my opinion, you're, you're filling one hole by getting rid and then creating another one. And I think that Dylan DeMello has proven that he's at least one of the top six defensemen on this team. You could probably even say top four. I think he belongs in that top four as a, as a complimentary piece to one of those guys. And yeah, I think... I mean, he's Dylan DeMello at the same time. Like, people are expecting him to be like a Mackenzie Weger or something out there. And that's just not who he is. And he's, I feel like he fills, he fills his role perfectly for this team. Yeah. Well, and with Morrissey's offensive explosion and willingness to jump into the play and everything like that, it, it kind of works well having a guy like DeMello beside him, where he's not the prototypical stay at home defenseman. Like, he's not 6'4, 220 bruising guys left and right, but he, he does all the same things. It's just, he doesn't knock you on your ass. He just gets the puck going back the other way. It's just like little subtle plays here and there, these quick two foot passes, you know, being in the right lane. So he doesn't have to try to box somebody out, but he can intercept the pass and then get the puck going too. Right? Like it's, it's little things like that, that are, 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 I think difficult to quantify sometimes, but maybe by the end of the year you take a look at some of the analytics on a guy and you're like oh wow he's he's looking pretty shiny over there well that that's how tools like that can help identify successful players like Dylan DeMello and you know like you mentioned there maybe even more valuable at times is the three million dollar cap it like good luck trying to find somebody who can give the value DeMello brings for well under you know five six seven million dollars to play on a top pair with a guy like Josh Morrissey there. I, I think looking to replace DeMello is the wrong thing to do. It's can we find a studly, a stud-ish guy on the second pair to help elevate that group? That would be my modus operandi heading into the second half of the year. Um, but yeah, pretty jacked. I was pretty jacked to see DeMello have a good game and um, absolutely snipe one. Just yeah, and I, ripped it 110 miles an hour past <laughs> UC Soros. <laughs> well, and I feel like that's why DeMello kind of gets some flack sometimes is that because when he makes a mistake, you notice the mistake because it's a mistake. But when he's playing good, you don't really notice him that much because he's just in the right spot all the time and he makes the right play. And as a stay-at-home, def- as a quote-unquote stay-at-home defenseman, 
if you're not getting noticed out there on the ice, then you're doing your job. That's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want to be unnoticeable for the most part. So very I think- Toby Enstrom, right? Like Toby, you you would know when Toby screwed up because somebody treated him like a child in front of the net, but you wouldn't see the 500 positive plays he made during the game that helped the Jets out as well. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you there. Um, but yeah, real, I thought maybe his best game of the season, you know, maybe not coincidentally it comes with a, a snipe there, but good on Dylan DeMello to uh, to get on the score sheet there. And uh, good for him to do that as well. I, I should bring this up, Tyson, because he wasn't even, he wasn't even listed on the game sheet by TSN. Um did you did now you were did you watch the game from home? You didn't work the game. This game, the Nashville game, yeah. yeah. It was I was at home. Did you did you check you know how TSN does the lines like right when the game starts? Yeah. Did I, you, I didn't catch I didn't catch the very beginning. I was flipping I was flipping right before puck drop. So some yeah, I, it was an odd odd some odd choices by Rick Bonus in this one. It included um Trevor Lewis playing on the line with Kyle Connor. Nice um, to see him back. Drew Drew Stafford. Got oh, back into the lineup as well. Um, and then a big, yeah, big night from the fourth line. Uh, Nick Patan, Patrice Cormier, and Sam Gagne were uh, were filling the duties there. And, and you know, according to them, uh, DeMello was actually replaced by Adam Party on the top pair with Josh Morrissey, followed by uh, Mark Stewart and Paul Postma. So, wow. That's a that's a who's who of some jets some jet steep cuts right there. Like holy, it's a it, that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a mistake by whoever was filling out the lineup there. But I loved it. That they, must, should do, they should do that for every game. Just have like, hey, let's just throw in a bunch of random guys from seven years ago. Who cares? Let's see what happens. The centering Kyle Connor and Mikey Ace fun next game is going to be Nick Antropov. Oh yeah. <laughs> And Ole Jokinen is the third line setter. <laughs> oh my gosh! Maybe, maybe you could have um, Auntie Mietnin, oh. Auntie Mietnin play a play a role inside the uh, the middle six there for the Jets. Otakarovsky with his two games as a Jet. <laughs> you know, you know who's actually one of my favorites too. And I think it was just season one. Uh, do you remember Archer's Kulda? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought he was going to be someone. I thought he was going to be someone for the Jets. <laughs> Never meant to be. Oh well, maybe it, maybe in a multiverse or an alternate universe, Archer's cool that took home a Norris or two, but <laughs> didn't happen in this one. But I, I was just fun. I, I, and people did pick up on that on Twitter. Um, but I just, as soon as I saw Patan and Cormier there, I was like, okay, we got to do a bit of a rewind because that. <laughs> I, I know Patan's still in the league here. I think Patrice Cormier's uh, long gone. Um, crazy, crazy to think that Patrice Cormier was like the centerpiece of that Ilya Kovalchuk trade too. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's, yeah, that's that's probably one of many reasons that Atlanta <laughs> uh, ceased to exist and moved over to Winnipeg when they uh, when they uh, target uh, Patrice Cormier as the uh, the jewel. Uh, <laughs> this this will be a, this will be good for us if we trade Kovalchuk for Patrice Cormier. This will be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, th- thankfully, thankfully the Jets didn't roll out a, a Mark Stewart, Paul Postma second pair in this one. Uh, yeah, Schmidt, Schmidt and uh, Dylan. I, I'd probably lean towards that one, um, but some fun there nonetheless, and 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 fun too, especially because the Jets were able to pick up two points against the Predators. Uh, so that'll be it from the game against Nashville. We do need to take a bit of a look back at the uh, wild one against the Vegas Golden Knights on a Tuesday, a game which I was actually at Canada Life Center, a rarity for me to watch that one in the stand. So I got a few. Uh, 
a few news and notes to pick away from that one. Plus, we got a clown on Gary Batman, which everybody in uh, in Canada always loves to do that. So we got plenty to get to and not enough time here to close out the episode. But before we do that, we need to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, where you can light the lamp this winter. $5 pregame money line. That's all you need to toss in to win $150 in free bets. How do you do that? Well, just hang on a little bit. I'll explain to you. But before that even, you can also turn some small bets into bigger paydays. Maybe do some Christmas shopping after a big DK win with same-game parlays, combining multiple bets like which team wins, how many goals will be scored, Will it be Mike Yasemon? Will it be Nick Patan? Who knows? You could do any of those guys or others for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Now this, I feel like people don't even want to say this, but can we call the Vegas game? Connor Hellebuck gives away two points. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, yes. I kind of, I, I kind of said something in a maybe a softer vein on on Winnipeg Sports Talk with Hustler um, earlier on Thursday afternoon. But we kind of like, yeah, I think he did. But then it was quickly followed by, well, if anybody deserves a one-off, it's, it's Connor Hellebuck, right? Especially, yeah. especially this season. Um, I mean, a tough one for the Jets to lose in the fashion they did, giving up that power play goal late to, to Jonathan Marshall. So I, I wouldn't fault Connor Hellebuck on that one. That was, that was a, a nice snipe by number 81 there. But I think it's fair to say as well, Tice, that um, – an average Connor Hellebuck comfortably gets the Jets two points in that game against Vegas. Is that is that fair to say against the Vegas Silver Knights with all the injuries they had in that one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, those there's no way of sugarcoating that those first two goals were terrible. There's no, there's there's just no way you can let those in. And one of them was one of them. Morrissey played Riley Smith perfectly on that one on one. He had a he had kind of a mini breakaway at first, and Morrissey closed the gap on him, and then. Finding the hero of the game, Daniil Miramanov, what a breakout game for him! And, and I will say, I I was working the Vegas broadcast, and they they had him on as the player of the game, the guy that they do the interview at the end. And man, he's he's a if he gets uh, if he keeps a, sticks around this league, he's a fun personality. He's a really funny guy, and the, for a guy who's who's Russian, clearly he's got some pretty good English too. He's been overseas since he was twelve or thirteen. He was talking about how his at his grandparents' birthday party, they had a video, and he just kept on saying, "I'm going to play in the NHL. I'm going to play in the NHL." And it's just nice. It's kind of cool to see, like, his him him come from nothing, undrafted player, and all of a sudden he's in Vegas' top four on their power play, leading them yeah, with such a there. such a great story, fan favorite. Oh, Brad McCrimmon has immediately traded him for a forty year old <laughs> defenseman. <laughs> We we love this guy. Just the, we want him to be the face of our franchise. Oh wait, what's that? We can get someone slightly better. See ya. Get your own taxi. Bye. <laughs> yeah, no. But like, and just to go back on. Sorry, a little bit of a tangent there. But back on Hellebuck. Yeah, like the Miramanov first goal. That's a bad goal. And then even 
the Mark Stone first goal of the game. I mean, man, that's a really bad rebound. I'm not quite sure what happened on that play. It was looked like a straight shot from where I was, and Halliburton yeah. kind of just let it fall right in front of him and then <laughs> didn't do anything, and Stone's there for the tap. And, I mean, you probably do want some better some better net front coverage there. And that's something that we've kind of talked about throughout the year. But at the same time, I mean, that puck should either be gobbled up or punched into the corner nine and a half times out of 10. And just, he just missed that one. Yeah. No, I, I had the perfect angle to it. He, he just missed it. Yeah. Like, there, I, I don't know. He just missed it. Like he just, he went to block right away into the corner and he just served it up on a platter to Mark Stone there. So yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's okay to say Connor Hellebuck had a bad game. Like there's there's not a lot. To do with. I knew I knew he wasn't giving up more than two against Nashville. I'll tell you yep. that, like that was if you wanted to bet the under on on DraftKings there, that that would have been the play against Nashville for sure. Um, but look, McDavid has stinkers, McCarr has stinkers, Tage Thompson doesn't because he's the greatest player that's that's yeah, ever, that? that's ever laced him up. But like other than Tage Thompson, these guys all have off nights. Connor Hellebuck had one against Vegas. You know it's okay to say that, but. You know, having said that, I don't think literally anyone was too upset because it's like, yeah, we kind of are in first place thanks to that guy. So, you know what? It happens. You move on. And and like I said there, you knew he was going to be solid against Nashville. And he went ahead and, you know, basically shut the door. Although he did kind of give up a softie on that first one. But after that, he completely shut the door against the Preds. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either on this two-game road trip if we uh, talk about Hellebuck's save percentage maybe – bumping up a, a little bit or at least stay in the same because I, I, I don't think he's going to have too many more stinkers uh, for the foreseeable future. He's he's kind of insanely competitive. So I think that game against Vegas is going to piss him off for a long time there. Um, but, you know, watching that game live, Tice, you know, a few things on the ice at least stood out to me. Um, I mean, Hellebuck just not being sharp was was one of them. To me, it's not even eye-opening or anything. But by a country mile, the best player on the ice. And nobody, and look, Mark Stone had two goals, almost a hat trick. But the best player on the ice by a mile was Mark Shifley. Yeah. And just seeing him up in person, it's like, again, holy crap, what a transformation. Like he was, how many times last year were people just screaming at their TVs? Like, come on, like, let's, let's get it going here. Like, light of, like, you know, be invested in the game. And in this one, he was just both ends of the ice, offense, defense, skill plays, forechecking, like just literally every facet of the game, Vegas could not handle him. And it wasn't even the three goals that he scored. Um, you know, the the second one, that that one time early on in the third period was a, a work of art. Um, but I, I was just so impressed. Like he was he was really, really dominant in that game. That I, I thought at least, you know, look, I've seen a lot of a lot of Jets hockey live. You know, I worked the first essentially 10 years of every single Jets game there. That I, I thought that might have been his best performance that, that I've seen live. He was, he was so good. Do you think it's kind of crazy watching him live? And like, he's a big boy. Like, yeah. that's that's the thing that I don't like watching on TV. You don't really see like he is. At least this year, he's a physical force out he's, there. He's like those Russians. Like <laughs> you get up close, you're like, oh, you, you yeah. might be skilled, but like you're not, you're not 180 pounds. Like he's, he's, he's pretty thick. And I, I think one of the underrated parts of his game is how strong he is on the forecheck and then along the boards. 
which again is hilarious because the first two years of his career, it was, oh my gosh, is this guy going to be able to stay on his feet long enough to make a play to the point yeah. now where it's like, Hey, good luck trying to get the puck off him down low. If, if it's, if it's down there, that that's his puck. I don't think he's lost a puck all year. Like I legitimately think, I don't think I've seen him get knocked off the puck while he's got it in complete possession all season. It's crazy. I, and I agree with you 100%. I think he's been as good as Morris. He's been as good as Connor's been. I, I, and as good as Hellebuck's been. Uh, you know, now, I'm, now I'm saying it, I'm, I, might, <laughs> I might backtrack that statement a bit. But uh, out of all the skaters, I think Shiley's been yeah. by far and away the best skater on this team by far. Hellebuck's still MVP. but Yeah, Shiley, yeah, that, that's more just Hellebuck going like Dominic Hasek on the yeah. NHL right now. But but I, I, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as you at least with, with Shifley's game there. The other thing, too, that stood out to me is, uh, how did every team in the NHL miss out on Chandler Stevenson? Yeah. Like, why? Like, why? <laughs> like, Philly saw him, like, oh, we don't want a first-line center for that. Like, it's he skates like the wind out there. Like, he's such a good skater. I just don't get how how Vegas got him for basically like a a scratch ticket. Like they just got him for nothing from Washington and Washington could have used him. It's just bizarre that he was out there for free. And, you know, Eichel didn't play in this one, but when Stevenson, Eichel and Stone are out there, they're one of, if not the best lines in all of hockey. And Stevenson, I thought was the most noticeable forward for Vegas outside of Mark Stone. Mark Stone's just funny because he, and I don't mean this as hyperbole. He might be the worst skater in the NHL. Yeah. Which is like, He's so effective. Like it does, it doesn't make sense. I understand why he was drafted in the fifth round. <laughs> it makes yeah. like he, he can't skate, but he's always in the right spots. Like it's it's almost infuriating to watch. Because yeah. like, how is he getting up and down the ice? And he just kind of lumbers all over the place. But then you watch, you look at the score sheet after, and you're like, oh yeah, two goals, one assist, you know, 70% shots on the other end of the ice. Like, I guess he's doing all right, despite the fact that he can't move. He he could be the smartest player in the NHL. Exactly. Right now. Yeah. I think he, I think that's I think him and Bergeron are right up there as one two. It, but it's just it's crazy his his IQ and just it's even like just every single time a guy skates by him, he's getting he's gonna lift your stick at least somewhat. He's gonna obstruct you a little bit, and it's just the amount of takeaways he gets as a winger too. That's the other thing. As a winger, getting as many takeaways as he does is crazy. He's on par with some of the top centers in the league for takeaways and. That just doesn't happen. He's, he's one of the best defensive wingers of all time. Yeah. Like Hosa, Stone, Yuri Lettinen. Like these, yeah, he's he's just, it's funny to watch him though. Yeah. Like he's, he's such a bad skater, but he's so freaking good. He's so good. Um, But yeah, just, yeah, it was just kind of a weird game because I thought the Jets played good, but, you know, just pucks were going in left and right. Uh, the fourth line had themselves a good game against Vegas too. After Bones called them out pretty, I thought oddly harshly. <laughs> he was like yeah. really, really upset with the fourth line. Uh, but they they stepped up and had themselves a nice game. And Mister Brightside made things interesting late there. Um, but it does suck that the Jets went zero three against Vegas. Um, I may, maybe this was karma for getting a point against the Knights that that one game <laughs> when Hellebuck made ninety four saves. So it's, if you look at it that way, it's kind of like, yeah, all right, that's fair. You probably probably didn't deserve one point there. Um, but I thought the Jets deserve to get that one to OT at least and and, and see what happens afterwards. Um, now, 
I, I do want to kind of touch on a few things that I noticed while I was at the game because I, despite having watched 98% of the games in person, I've been to like four in the stands, maybe, like maybe four. Uh, I just, you know, don't get the opportunity to, to go to these games too much anymore. Um, so I, I was kind of enjoyed and excited to see what it would be like there, you know, watching a game. I mean, for the first time since before the pandemic, because like, the, the pandemic hit and obviously there weren't games in the in the rink for a long time with fans in the stands. And then uh, Bell Media went ahead and did their thing. So I wasn't working too many games after that. Um, but I was intrigued to see what what the atmosphere and what, what the changes were like there. And um, some some positives, some negatives. The concourse is beautiful. It's really nice. The price is, this is not a Winnipeg thing, but my God, like, God bless any families that, that take kids to these games. Like, wait, you take a mortgage out to get a hot dog? Like, it's just, that that part of it is just utter insanity. But that, again, that's just, that's just like sporting events in general in North America where they just gouge you until you have nothing left. Um, the one thing I think I like the most, I will say this, the, the in-game entertainment is vastly improved yeah. it's much better than it was three four years ago I, I don't know when the changes were made exactly but the music was not like 80s 90s social rock music anymore <laughs> like it, it wasn't like you know super modern stuff but at least it was you know people were dancing and, and, and moving to it instead of just quietly sitting in their seats waiting for the face-off um the the mustache cam with the magnum pi with the magnum pi theme music played in the background was unreal um i was surprised i thought they were gonna get your duster on there tyson but you didn't make the cut this time um <laughs> i'm the so cele- yeah <laughs> the the celeb lookalike thing it's hilarious i was i was terrified they were gonna do me and it would be like jonah hill or something like that <laughs> <laughs> that last game too i mean i feel bad for the guy who got ed sheeran oh, he, he was not happy <laughs> he was not happy like, that is that, that is i mean yeah that that that's a tough one that hell yeah hey look if it makes you feel it even i don't know if ed sheeran guy listens to the podcast you don't look like him yeah you, you didn't really look like him <laughs> i i was once someone once said i looked like seth green which is like that's a pretty devastating blow to the ego <laughs> Cause also, because I look nothing like Seth Green, but then it's like you think I looked. Oh yeah, I just didn't like that. So it was funny that thing. I'm just glad I could see why people would be upset. But it's one of those things where, like, if it happens to someone else, it's kind of funny. Um, so that that was cool. The thing I love the most, though, and I don't know how you might know more than I how how recent this is. The organ slash electric guitar combo is mandatory every second that the puck is in play moving forward it is it is the best thing that's ever happened to to hockey entertainment it was so it was like nhl mad max fury road it was i I just like more i I didn't even want the game anymore it's like this is let's just rock out to the organ and the electric guitar it was it was magical Oh, it, it was so it was so electric, and I I, I don't work every home game, Literally. and so I I but I do from what I remember, I think that's the first time they've done it since I since oh. at the games I've been at, and yeah, it was awesome. Just like just that little bang it, bang it, it was just oh, it was just awesome. I just hope, I, I want to like get some fire out of the guitar next time too. <laughs> like let's just get nuts. 
<laughs> have him have him like like Creed and and that Dallas halftime oh. show how the guitars fly across the across the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> da- so dangerous, but like let's make it happen. So yeah, I I'm I don't know what you guys out there think, but for me, organ, electric guitar, just like pick a bunch of songs. I even care old new, just like have have them both just like wail out until the puck goes back into play. That was very well done. Um so that was good. I think the big negative for me, and this has kind of been an ongoing thing. I know, I know it's not recent. It's been going on for a while, but the atmosphere inside the rink is not the same as it used to be. And I'm not talking like year one where you'll just never get that to happen ever again. Right. But I don't know what it is the last five or so years. It's just kind of like slowly kind of gone down and down and, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was, it was a little disappointing. Like, I, I look, if you could cheer and do whatever you want to do, I don't really care about that. That was just, just kind of what I, what stood out to me at least. It was a little underwhelming in terms of the noise and, you know, this this used to be a pretty difficult barn to play in for a lot of teams, and it, it didn't feel all that difficult. Maybe it's because Vegas put up six. I don't know. It's like a tough game to maybe get get going when you're constantly like give up one score, give up one score, but. Uh, I, was, I was hoping for a little bit more. Maybe, maybe it was just a Tuesday night. People are tired. They got kids. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I understand that, but holidays are coming up too. It's like some people are strapped for cash, and then like with all the with I mean, it's a hockey podcast, but with all the inflation going on too, it's like it, it's expensive. And like, oh yeah, I look. I don't when when people talk like, why aren't there sellouts or anything like that anymore? Like. I don't get how anybody affords to go to games like that. That's I don't I don't blame fans for that whatsoever. I, I, I'll never ever get against anybody for you know not being able to go to a game or the Jets not being able to sell out because it's it is crazy right now. It's just the people that were in there. It's a little quiet. Do, do you think that's because with like all of this with like the rising prices and everything, it kind of just pushes out that twenty to Around thirty. You? Yeah, the ref, pretty much the rowdy people. Maybe I don't know, maybe, but like, do you think it would I, also push out families too? Wouldn't it? Like, yeah, you want like uh, you want to spend a thousand bucks at a game, right? And I, but here, do you think so? Knock on wood, Jets make the playoffs this year. That first whiteout party, do you think it's going to be pretty electric out out there? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think I think once the playoffs come around, like. I think in any market, like it's 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 go time. Yeah, I think at that point, may, again, maybe it was just a Tuesday night, middle of December, and people are just man, eh, whatever. Like, and it was cold. It was a crappy day too. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, just yeah, but yeah. Look, I don't know. I'm not saying you know, sound the alarm bells. You know, the can can this can oh, the totally. team stay in Winnipeg? Like, it's yeah. it's just like I don't know. I was just hoping, just hoping the fans would be a little more jacked up in this one. It was just kind of quiet. It was nice though that somebody absolutely psyched out my friend Jordan, who was there with the Golden Knights jersey. Uh, <laughs> completely embarrassed himself in front of about thirty people, and everyone saw it. So that was nice that he had, that he had to eat a a miss high five for about you know the final two minutes of the game. I, I enjoyed that, but other than that, I, uh, it wasn't the best atmosphere wise game for, for for the Jets that I've seen. Um, but I did like the improved entertainment and everything around it. I, I think that's taking a, a, a well-needed step or two above where it was a few years ago. Um, but again, maybe a, maybe a win would have made things uh, feel a little bit different there. Um, but we won't end this episode on a negative note like that. 
Well, I guess we kind of are because we got to talk about Gary Batman quickly. <laughs> Everyone hates Batman, so it's... yeah, it's like it's like a it, like it's a negative, but like we're all collectively hating on this person, yeah. so it's like a kind of a positive, right? Um, I I thought I was starting to like him, <laughs> like I really did. I was like, oh, maybe he's not doing a bad job. Like I was like, uh, maybe we, were we all too hard on him? And then you have comments and days like we had earlier on this week where you're like you're such a tool like why like i i hate i hate when commissioners or executives kind of lumping everybody around just just thinks so little of their customers and thinks everybody else is just so much dumber than they are like that really really pisses me off and gary does it better than anybody and boy oh boy did he do it earlier on this week um Talking to me, the the digital ads, people love them. <laughs> Talking about the salary cap, you know, two months ago. Oh yeah, everything we're going up, 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 up. Oh, two months later, eh, yeah, no, we're it's gonna be tight. <laughs> you know, inflation. Man, the, all the other things are going up, but we're staying the same. You know, sorry, sorry, can't do anything about that. Uh, what like? What what stood out to you from from Bedman's comments there? Because I, I I've got a few I've got a few takes on this, but I wanna I wanna hear your thoughts first before I, I semi unleash on him. I mean, it's he's such a just a weasel. Like that's like he is such a weasel. But I do love the when he's talking about the digital ads and he's like fans love them, and the, and the reporters are like what They're like who, what who are you talking to? And he's like, "Oh, we got a survey. That that yeah. might be my that might be my favorite cop out. It's just, oh, we got a report. Can we yeah. see it? No. Our, our polling, our polling shows our fans love these new ads. Can we see the poll? Uh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no but but it's there. <laughs> I, I I think I think I think in that poll they probably sent it out, and it was one of those polls where it's like, how do you feel on a scale of one to five about the NHL's new digital ads on the boards? One." Love them. Five. Best thing ever. <laughs> so it's like everyone goes, well, yep, looks like the fans love these new ads. Yeah, they just twist it around. It's like one's the worst one. Everyone's picking one. He's like, oh, well, they just thought they were picking number one. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the number one thing. Yeah. I love it. It's the number one thing we've got. <laughs> you just got to skew. You got to fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah. That's <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I think that's what bothered me the most. It's just like, Gary, like, why, like, why, why do you have to talk down to everybody? Like they're stupid. Like they're like, they're a four-year-old child. Yeah. All, like all you have to say is like, you know, you, like he's a lawyer, do lawyer speak there where it's just like, look, you know, it's a work in progress. Our, our sponsors are happy. We're going to find a way to make it work. Like there's so, something stupid like that instead of just insulting everybody's intelligence that everybody loves them. And, and once the games are on, they don't even notice them. One of the ads is a freaking puck moving across the screen. Like it's the most distracting thing I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, like I, I don't really have a massive, I guess, viewpoint on them one way or the other. Like it's a necessary evil, I guess. But it's like just just stop it when you say that people don't notice them. It's it's yeah. so jarring and noticeable that you have no choice but to you know have it pop up into your eyes there. And it, it is distracting at times, although it's better now than it was earlier on in the year. The, the salary cap thing that pisses me off too because 
if you look at the other major sports leagues over the past few years, and, and there's no excuses, right? Like the, the pandemic, they've all experienced it, all of that. They've all been growing revenue-wise by about 9 10 11%, you know, give or take. They've all, they're all kind of hovering in and around that range. The NHL's down at 2%. Crazy and, and like to, to say that you know it's going to be a little while before we see that salary cap jump up and you know we're still waiting and we're so dependent on ticket revenue out this and this and this excuse 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 they're just freaking stuck in the stone age man like they just they they don't they don't get it and they think that just slapping an ad that moves on TV is going to fix all of the the revenue issues here there's, there's so many they're just they seem like they don't get it either which is what really pisses me off about the whole thing like it's like we'll just keep going as status quo and somehow everything will just work out well what happened to the signing with the two biggest networks in sports in the in the u.s yeah just did that last year and we've seen the nba they signed a tv deal and guys contracts started going up by like 50 million yeah. a year like i don't i don't that just blows my mind i don't understand why and i think like this is it's a little early to look at it, but it, it's really not too. The CBA discussions are going to be, it's going to be interesting. Like, I don't know. You don't want to say that we're heading for a lockup, but I mean, we've already seen some, I've seen some tweets talking about negotiating to get the salary cap higher as soon as this season and not necessarily going into a lockup, but somehow figuring a way out where players can start to make more money. Because like you've seen, there's players in every league are getting like, just baseball free agency opened has been opened a couple weeks ago, and we're seeing guys who are like nobody's getting like fifty million dollar contracts for three years. It's crazy. Well, the good thing, Tyson, is that the NHL has done some polling on this, and fans overwhelmingly support lockouts. So, no, no need to worry. There's there's a bunch of good news coming up in a few <laughs> years here. Fans love not watching their teams play games. It's oh, oh. Yes. The other thing that pissed me off about Gary that's just popped in my head was the divisional or divisional slash rivalry. We need what we need to make more and more of it. And it's like, no, I don't want to watch these guys play each other eight times a year or nine times a year. I want to see the best on best hockey. And for him to, just to shoot down the one verse 16 idea, like, come on, man. Like, I want to, after, think, think of the playoff matches you would get. After a round where one plays 16, two plays 15, regardless of conference. But the second round, you're getting like elite, elite hawk. Yeah. The, so the only, look, I mean, we don't have much time here. I don't want to drag on two. We might have to do this another episode. But like the only thing with one versus 16 is the time zones do legitimately matter. Like you can't have LA playing a playoff game at 5 p.m. our time or 5 p.m. there. You know what I mean? Like it's. I, I it, it would be the coolest format. I just literally don't think it's viable. Like, I just don't think they can do it. Now, 1v8, I'd, I'd be a little more open to that. I, I actually don't mind the playoff format, to be honest, because people say it's unfair and everything like that. The 1v8 isn't overly fair either. Like, Leafs fans are complaining, oh, divisional, we got to play Tampa in round one. 1v8... Toronto would be four, Tampa would be five. <laughs> so, like, what what format? Like, sorry, you you're in a good division or you're in a good conference. Like, that's 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 the way it goes. I would agree though with the the regular season rivalry stuff, where it's like, let's just force geographical and divisional rivalries, and 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 that's how things are going to explode. What's the best rivalry maybe we've ever seen in hockey? 
yeah. in, in the last 20 years. Detroit, Colorado. They're like, what, a thousand miles apart? Exactly. They and, don't care about them. And now in different conferences. Like, like, what are we doing? Like, just just have everybody just wants to see everybody. And then these things kind of happen organically. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, you can't just force. Just because you want rivalries doesn't mean you can just force them to happen. When they happen, they'll happen. They just haven't happened for, for certain teams just yet. Um, but let's let's cap the episode here because I don't want to go too late. And um, ragging on Batman is, is going to keep me up until about 2 a.m. as well. So I'd, I'd like to get some sleep. I know you do too because you're up in about four hours. Um, <laughs> so we'll cap the episode off there. Uh, I guess to sum it up, Gary is a tool. <laughs> it's probably the, the best way that, that, that I can say it there. Um, yeah. Disappointed but not surprised with the comments as as well. But we'll 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 get another chance to to rag on Gary Bedman probably before the uh, the new year comes around. So we'll uh, make sure to take advantage of that as well. Uh, but like I said, we'll close off the episode here, and we'll close off the weekend in style. Let's head into the weekend in style. We'll get back at it on a Tuesday morning. Looking at a back to back on the road for the Jets, heading out west once again, Vancouver. You might like two points there. Seattle's going to be a bit of a tough one on the second end of a back-to-back. But we'll break down those two games and then look ahead to a matchup Tuesday night against the Ottawa Senators as well. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. CJOB's Tyson Rowicki stopping by once again. We'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Until then... Have a great weekend. Stay safe and have a great time, everybody. Peace.